fantasy guide for the common people if you like the people's pod what's more common than fantasy preseason and mid prices that's right this is the time of year when every man and his dog's clambering up every tree they can find looking for mid prices and this year you better believe there's a lot of them and some of them aren't even crap wow i know so today we take a look at three mid prices in the back line in the midfield and in the forward line, do some hard-hitting analysis and then take questions from you chumps on the internet. So without further ado, let's row to the second least chumpiest man on the pod. It's Doe! Miller, those intros just get better and better every week, mate. Have you um, been spending a lot of time in the studio editing them or do they just tap in naturally? Uh, those recent ones, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a bit of pre-recording there, a bit of editing just screwing around with audacity. I haven't practiced singing, which would surprise no one, especially not Milne, who's been ragging on my singing of late. Yeah, it's a tricky... Uh, I'm certainly glad I don't have to sing. Although, back in the day, the where Doe came from was... Uh, my nickname used to be Sando, like with all my friends, and then one night we were all drinking, and I started uh, tr- attempting to freestyle. Oh, nice. And I said my rap name was Freestyles Do3, and... Uh, yeah, then just became dough from that. Were you there that night? No, yeah, yeah. Me and you were having a bloody rap battle, mate. Oh, that's right. I had to put a do-rag on my head as well. <laughs> I was spitting venom. Maybe I should make a fantasy rap. That'd be elite. Nah, we're, uh, today we are talking, as mentioned, about mid-prices. And what we're, we're going to try and do it a little bit differently to how... The, uh, the mainstream sort of way to do it because, I mean, you don't want to listen to the same episode on f- just by five different podcasts. So we're just going to go do nine players, so three from each line today, and we're just going to try and go like really in detail about them. So there's going to be players we miss that are certainly fantasy relevant, but it, for the sake of the pod, we're going to try and really give uh, as much information as we can about those three players that we chose each so i was covering three forwards miller was doing three mids and nug was doing three defenders and i think the back line back six get the chicks so i reckon we'll start with nug and what have you got for the first player you want to chat about mate yeah yeah absolutely first off i just i know we're not covering rucks today and and mid prices there because there could be a touchy subject but all i'll say is is set in my set lads I'll, i'll leave it at that um all right (laughs) <laughs> so for my first defender I had was Andy McGrath so uh, to set the case for him price to 80 and from all reports has been settled into a halfback role for the Bombers um, I think for him it'll be it'll be big for his confidence and, and sort of how much gusto he plays with to be settled into a role because in his early career he's been moved around a lot he's played wing midfield he's had to play uh, halfback for quite a bit of it. He's had some injury troubles. He's had to play accountable roles, and I think they sort of want to settle him into a, a role as a distributor off there and a guy that's running around the back for handballs and things of that nature. Um, I think the only sort of caveat with McGrath is he's played halfback for a while and he's only sort of averaged that 80, 85, and I know he's had some injuries in there, and, and as I said, he's had to play accountable roles, but um, he hasn't really popped off of halfback yet. Um, I do have a feeling he will, though, and I think that a lot of uh, what Essendon's trying to do is like deliberately looking for him the same way that they used to for uh, Saad and players like that. 
Um, they do still have Ridley and Redmond back there. I know Heppel's supposedly moving up to a wing, um, but I think he offers something completely different for than those two down there. Those two are sort of like a, a handball receive, mark kick sort of player, um, whereas he's actually going to break some lines and, and make things happen for the Bombers. Um, I think probably to be a good pick, he needs to go 95 and sort of touch that top 6 to top 10 range for defenders, which might be trouble with um, him not getting kickouts. I suppose we don't know if he will yet, but um, if he does have any kickouts, he's honestly going to be a sure thing and I would be picking him. But even without kickouts, I think he could sort of touch that 90 mark considering how much it seems like they're going to be looking for him. What do you guys reckon? Have you ever owned McGrath in a keeper league? No, no. I, I think I sort of got into keepers a yeah. bit after he was a rookie. I was going to say, because if you'd owned McGrath in a keeper league, you wouldn't be touching him with a 10-foot pole. I've owned him for something like six years, and he is the most overrated underachiever you can have on a list. Uh, he, every year they talk him up, and every year he doesn't deliver. And I don't think he's going to deliver this year either. He'll be better in defence than he was in the midfield, but I don't think you're getting more than the price he's, what he's priced at. I don't see him going more than 85. Do you think that's a? Uh, do you think that's his fault, or do you think it's more the club and the shit show that he was brought into? Uh, it's a bit of both. It's probably the shit show is why he hasn't developed, and why he hasn't become your Tarantos or your McLuggages that he got drafted with. Um, but yeah, I think that's his that's his role that he's settled into. He's never gone um, kind of pure mid like those guys, and I, I don't think he's going to. And the halfback, really, I don't think it suits him in terms of being an out and out fantasy star. He'll be, you know, consistent enough, but I don't don't think you're going to get the big scores out of him. Yeah, last year, speaking of keeper leagues, I tr- what do you think of this trade, Miller? Uh, could come back to burn me, but I was trying to sell high on Crips. And I probably did it a little bit early in the season. So I traded Cripps for McGrath and Real. And then that was pretty much... And a, I got like an early future pick as well. Uh, it's not terrible. I wouldn't have done it myself. I'm a, I'm a Cripps owner myself and I have all kinds of offers that come and go on Cripps. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have done it, but I don't hate it. But you're banking on Raul being what he potentially could be. Um, what he started off being, and I'm, I'm not sure he's going to get to those heights that we thought he would either. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. What I do want to loop back to saying you were saying about kick-ins, do you think for McGrath he needs to get a certain, have like a certain percentage of kick-ins every week to be relevant, or could he have like 0%, and do you still think with 0% he could average that 95 he said? So I think with like... With zero, he's probably 85 to 90. I think he's still got a few points upside. Um, I don't think the Bombers are going to go with like one player takes all the kick-ins. Um, I think it'll be sort of Redmond, Heppel, um, Ridley, McGrath, whoever's closest at the time, they'll just get it in and try and go from there. So I think sort of if he has that 25 to sort of 40% range, he can, he can maybe push 95. Um, but yeah, I think that's a wait and see with the... Um, with the practice matches and uh, he definitely needs some to be worth picking otherwise you're sort of just banking on them looking for him every chance they get um which is hard to bank on 
So you think he's going to take some of Redmond's points from last year? Yeah, yeah. A lot's been made of Redmond, but to be honest, he's not like the greatest user. He's a pretty good defender, and he's a good, like a good name for them back there. But he's not like an elite kick like someone like Ridley is. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the role dynamic between Redmond and McGrath. They're both McGrath's probably better at everything Redmond's good at than Redmond, but it just depends like what you want to sacrifice, I guess, from Scott's point of view. Whether you want McGrath to lock down or McGrath to be more uh, explosive and dangerous. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Probably he'll probably be a big one to watch for role in the whatever they call the preseason matches these days. Speaking of, the Crows are live streaming an intra-club tomorrow afternoon at like 4 o'clock. So oh, okay. get home from work, have a few Check rusties and watch that one. But yeah, uh, moving moving on. So the defense kicks the ball into the midfield often. And Mila, you were covering the midfield uh, for yes, us today. Yes, and Who I am first bloke? jumping on to the pod's favorite son, Mr. Sam Berry. Uh, don't know that we really need to say too much about him. Uh, he had a big lead-in year last year, likely to get a whole lot more ball in the midfield. They've been looking after him. They like the work he does. Uh, he's priced at about 84. What's that? Looking at about 740. So, yeah, I could see him going 90, 95, uh, even higher than that, to be honest. Sky's the limit for Sam Berry. I think, yeah, hop on the Berry train. If anything, he's possibly a little too expensive, and there are better bargains in the midfield mispriced range um, would be the only reason I think you'd steer clear of them um, other than the midfield at the, the Crows can be a bit of a lottery um, so you never entirely know what's going to happen but yeah I really look, like the look of Sanberry and I know um, Nug does as well yeah I think um, with Berry like we know he's going to tackle and we know he's going to have insanely high CBAs they showed that at the end of last year it's just about how much outside footy can he get. Um, and that's not necessarily an easy thing to develop. Those running patterns aren't natural for a player like him. But he has said he's been working on it and and uh, it's he knows it's sort of the next step to for him to become that sort of A-grade midfielder that he, that he has the opportunity to be. Yeah, I think he's... He, the, it's hard to know, I guess, the Crows midfield is all they're very Barry's like on steroids kind of what the other guys are like just tackling kind of irrelevant in a way in terms of the grand scheme of the game like they're not match winners in there but I guess if he does develop that more damaging like outside game then I guess anything could happen for him but so often like Ben Cunnington who I'm about to talk about probably like a perfect example of like one of the best contested tackling players like you will see but it took him like nearly 10 years to develop a real thirst for getting like uncontested possessions and making life easier for himself so I guess do you compare would you say that's a fair comparison Miller? Uh, No and mainly because I don't like Cunnington as a player or a fantasy player. Get fucked. Um, so I would think that's a terrible comparison. But otherwise, you know, I guess um, my own personal biases aside, probably okay. I think... Uh, so... I, I think... I was just going to say, uh, Miller, do you hate... Uh, are you saying you hate people that have recovered from cancer? Um, yes. It's exactly what I'm saying. Bald, bald people. 
Um, I'm going to click that. And you're going to get <laughs> no, no issue with people who have recovered from cancer. Um, I like good. them much better than people who haven't recovered from cancer. That's good. Good to hear. Nag, you were saying something. Uh, no, no well. stress. So I, I think with Barry, to get back on track a little bit, I probably see him as like a Liberatore Viney type. So uh, those guys sort of go between the 90 to 98 sort of range. And I think that's where he'll sort of be throughout his career unless something drastically changes. But, um, yeah, I can't confidently say that he's going to be a 105 sort of midfielder, especially with how the game's changing as well. Yeah, you're probably not getting huge scores from him, but there's certainly enough upside to start with. Does ownership come into it at all? I don't know if you guys know his ownership, but he's only 1.1% owned. So if he came out with a bang then uh, you could get a real jump on everyone. Yeah, it is not much, um, and that's certainly a factor. I'm generally against picking a, a point of difference for the sake of picking a point of difference. Um, yeah, but if you, you're settled on someone and they happen to have a low ownership, that's even better. Mind you, I've got to say 1.1%. That's, uh, that's a, a slight on the community because if people aren't picking him, they're pretty stupid. Oh, bad. <laughs> Confident. I think there one ownership stat that absolutely shocked me when I was making the uh, the reel or TikTok for us, whatever you call it, uh, was that Grundy's four percent owned. But I won't. We'll do a rock podcast to talk more about him. But that just blew my mind that he's only four percent owned. You wouldn't pick him. Oh, that's fair enough. Not with Gorn there as well. I just wanted to say yeah. quickly with the. No. Um, with, with players in this price bracket in the midfield, we've obviously got, like, uh, Sarong, Warner, Newcomb, uh, all those sort of guys in that 80 range. Mm. I think it's pretty smart to start with one of them, um, which obviously whichever one you're most confident in. But worst-case scenario, like, the guy that does pop, because I'm almost certain one of them will, you can just jump to him in, in round two or, or round three. And That's it, it's yeah. really not a hard trade to make at all. And, yeah, the other thing to say is just because there are lots of them doesn't mean you need to put them all on your team. As you were saying, yeah, I don't think a lot of them are going to pop and there's probably only going to be one or two that's going to pop. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't even have two at that price in my team. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have more than two. Same. Just too risky. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, I did mention who I was going to talk about. So, Cunnington, Miller's favourite player in the mm. AFL. He, uh, so, he's coming into the season... What As if I didn't write down his price stat. I'm pretty sure it was like 75, though. It was 75. So, price at 75. Uh, the reasons I think he could be a good option is that in the last four years, he's been uninjured or hasn't um, had a health impacted season. <laughs> yeah. He's gone at 99, 82, 93, and 88. So that's a grand total average of 90.5. So that would be 15 points upside on his price, which gets probably just below that, what you would really want. But it's like in the range that it's not a shit pick. Um, coming back off, from coming back from the year he had off definitely shouldn't be an issue if you just look at Doherty and also the fact he got back to being able to play a couple of games last year he's had an uninterrupted preseason so like he really shouldn't be affected by anything as long as like all the media ports are 
reports are correct on his preseason, so he should yeah be going really well. And he's said that himself, as everyone does. But yeah, in twenty twenty one, he started to show like real growth in his marks per game. So he got his average, he got his season average up to four point one marks, which was one point four higher than his career average before that season. So that's what one and a half marks is probably about 9 to 12 points difference. And if he can maintain that um, like level or even go up a gear, which the Hawks will probably have even more uncontested marks under Clarko, then, yeah, you're looking at probably maybe 4.5 marks, which combined with his like 5 to 6 tackles a game gets him into the range where he's probably going like 95 to 100 pretty confidently. Uh, he's also... The last three seasons, he struggled for games. 2020, I can't remember what injury he had, but he missed like the majority of the season. And then 2022, obviously, with cancer, he missed that. But before the last three years, he's played 20 games in every season, apart from when he was a kid in 2011. So coming into the season with a full preseason, health all being well, like I think you can be confident that he plays a lot. And before I get your guys' opinion, I'll just talk about a few reasons why I think he's probably a risky pick. So he is 31 and going on 32 pretty soon, I think. So it's probably hard to see where the growth in his game comes from. Like he might already be the finished fantasy product. And uh, like if he, his career high is 99, so he'd have to be going about that for you to be like, yep, like definitely pick him. He's also been rumored to spend some time forward this year. So in a little bit of match him apparently he's been spending time forward and as me and uh, Nug way back when we sat down to record the North Melbourne podcast talked about with the way Clarko operates he often likes having a small playing in the goal square you like remember like Luke Bruce Rioli those sort of guys he loved having one out in the square and Cunnington's a great one-on-one player so I think there's a chance we see that happen and also in his career high season he did have 72% CBAs and it's really hard to see the number getting that high with Aldeu and Simkin both will probably be up around 80%. So there's not much like left to go around after that. And yeah, so it's hard to see him getting back up that high. But yeah, what are you... So are your anti-Cunnington Miller, is there specific reasons well, why? Well, firstly, and not to get onto alarmingly shaky ground here, um, but the toll that AFL football takes on your body is considerable. Um, and we all know recovery from cancer is, is not a trivial thing, not to mention all the chemo that goes through. So I could see his tank being drastically affected and North Melbourne potentially having to nurse him through the season and rest him at, at various different points. So I don't think he's going to be the player that he was. Um, so they're probably going to play him like an impact role more than a, a full-time on ground role, I would think. Um, so yeah, I just worry that that would affect him having any real fantasy value. Yeah, none. Um, I think the, uh, I, I don't hate the pick to be fair. Like I think he'll play enough through the midfield and he'll score well enough, um, to be an all right pick. Um, and the top six is sort of like, it, it always is this way with forwards, but it's pretty light on to start the year. And then once a few mids get forward and stuff, it, it gets stacked really quickly. So I think by the end of the year he'll be he'll have a hard time getting anywhere close. Um, one thing I did want to mention with twenty twenty one, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I were to guess, I reckon North Melbourne's marks would have been through the roof that year. Like we saw how big Hall and Zebel 
and even like Stevenson on a wing when mm. um and yeah they just had like some ridiculous scores that we saw come crashing down to earth last year when the game style changed a little bit so I, while I do think he did work on that and improve a lot um I'm not sure that's a realistic like indicator for what he'd do in terms of marks this year are North still going to be terrible? Because terrible teams have really good fantasy output. But if they're getting better, they're, it's, they're not going to be as relevant. Mm. Oh, Hard to say. I think they'll, they'll, they won't job. be anything good. Yeah. Yeah, middling teams are really poor for fantasy. You want them to be crap. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, yeah, I think you guys probably both offer sage advice about Cunnington. I think he's probably pretty hard to pick, but... If he does come out in their uh, preseason and he's got, I guess Tog for me would be the biggest, mm. even more so than number of CBAs. Tog would be more relevant for me with Cunnington because yeah, if he's going to come out and if he's going to have a like Salwood type role as Miller was sort of describing, being more of that pinch hitting mid, then you definitely can't pick him. But if he is having higher Tog in the preseason, it's probably a good indicator of where it'll be during the season. So. I guess that's probably one to watch out for, but yeah, I probably not too keen on him. So Nug, I'm going to throw straight back to you for the next defender. Sweet. So next, this will be pretty short and sweet because there there isn't too much to go over with this guy. But it's Elliot Yo. So he's coming in priced at seventy, which is thirty five give or take points cheaper than what he has done in the past. Um, we know how good he is and, and how impactful he is and how good of a fantasy player he is when he's up and healthy. Problem is that hasn't been for almost four years now <laughs> since he's been like up and healthy and had a sort of good go at it. Um, good news is he, he's supposedly back to his best. His body's been as, best, as good as it has been in a while um, and he's back playing on ball for the, the Eagles with just stints down back rather than as a full-time defender. Um, so I think provided he's he's getting that sort of 60% CBAs, which I think is very fair, um, he can easily go 90 and priced at 70. Considering the, the shithole defenders that we have this year, he is an easy pick as long as I don't hear anything between now and round one. Yeah, Yo, when he's on, is an absolute gun. He's got a huge ceiling. Yeah, as you said, the, the only issue is he's made of balsa wood. Um, but... Looking at the defence, I mean, he's got exactly the same issues as Aaron Hall, but he's like 150 grand cheaper. So if you want to take that risk, you, you'd do it over Hall in a heartbeat, which I might have to change my defence. Um, so, yeah, definite upside there. Yeah, I, I'm i pretty keen on Hall. Uh, not Hall. <laughs> same same story as Yo yeah. with his body. But, I'm yeah, I'm keen on Yo. I, I really like his game. And I think he's got a really good fantasy scoring game too. Like he does do it all in terms of his marking and tackling and stuff, which I rubble on about. But really, if you can do both of them, then you're exactly what we need for fantasy. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pretty hot on, on Yoey, uh, to be honest. I probably don't have too much insight, though. Did you have anything else you wanted to say, Nod? Um, No, I think, like, to put it into perspective, guys like Sicily and Hewitt, these were the picks that sort of made people's seasons last year. And I think Yo is that same caliber of pick this year. I think you can't really go into the season without him. The other thing that worries me about Yo is that he pretty much hasn't played for an entire year. So he could come out and be a little rusty. 
Yeah, but I think Rusty for him is like 82. Like, it's... You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. His and he's been training cheap. and playing for a, a long time now. <laughs> yeah, I think he's had a pretty good go of it in the preseason. I think he's got kind of got built into it slowly, but, like, there was never... I don't... I think he had that little, like, calf niggle in maybe November or something, but beyond that, I think he's been pretty pretty fresh and raring to go. I did just want to say, I was just scrolling on Twitter, and I've seen Pete do a, a tweet of Sydney talking about their game style, about the way they want to play, like being fast and transition and stuff, and everything we said about their defenders. And, yeah, I think it we should take a moment of time to celebrate us being exactly right with the reason to not pick Sydney defenders. Pretty good, bar. Yeah, you 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 slow on that one, aren't you, Pete? We did that ages ago. Yeah, we've got all 18 teams. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, yeah. get around and they're all the, the best fantasy content you can get. We might even extract that and put it somewhere at some point if we can be bothered. Yeah, I reckon. Cool, we'll, we'll jump into the mids then. And I'm going to look at... The heir apparent in GWS at 752,000, it's Tom Green. Uh, and yeah, well, they've been talking him up for years and years. And at one point, I thought he was one of the most overrated men in fantasy. But I've come around uh, and I like what he's doing, especially with you know the big boys that went to Richmond coming out of there. There's definite space at GWS for more midfield time. And Tom Green's the one they want to push, uh, the one that gets all the talk. And apparently he's been doing you know, reasonably well in the scratch matches, so yeah, big CBAs, I would imagine, for Tom Green. Uh, he does a pretty good job when he has been in there. Uh, yeah, the only potential issue is we don't 100% know what that midfield's going to look like uh, now with those guys out. Uh, and he, he is a little bit expensive to take a risk on. As I said before, in the midfield, there's a lot of cheaper guys you can punt on. Um, yeah, if you want to put a mid-pricer on, he's on the more expensive side, but yeah, it seems almost a no-brainer for me if you're looking for an alternative in that Sandbury slot. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of Green. My It was initially a concern, but then I thought about it a bit more. So again, going back to the game style stuff we were talking about with the Giants, that Kingsley sort of... this Everything coming out of GWS has been about how fast they're going to play, how fast, blah, 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 blah. But what one thing that i do find optimistic about that is by playing fast it means the ball is kind of in chaos a bit more in congestion a bit more and that's where tom green thrives so i think it will actually really help his scoring and i just i think he's set to have a huge year is that just one of the things that all the coaches just token throw out there though because they all say oh we're going to play fast everything's fast like no one comes out and says oh we're going to play real slow and maybe just screw around with it they, they say they're going to look to, uh, yeah, so I think game style is, it kind of gets made really, when they go really big on it, on the speed, then I think it is relevant. Like, there's lots of teams that it, they haven't quite said that. Um, I think the big ones are like the Swans, the Tigers, the Giants, uh, the Crows, oh, I can't think of the rest of them but Calling yeah him. nug did you like before i keep taking us off track because i've done the whole podcast nug what do you think of tom green uh i'm a big fan my my yeah my only concern is the game style i mean um we if you're picking green you need 100 out of him otherwise it's sort of a, a bit of a mm. waste of a pick and i think if you're you can't be expecting like 
Cornelio 105, Kelly 110, 112, and Green 100. Like, it's it just doesn't happen all that often, especially if they're planning to play fast. So I think you've got to temper your expectations with all of the GWS players because it seems like everyone is hot on all of them at the moment, um, to be honest. Whereas I think there's probably only going to be one that's going to end up being a good pick. Like, it, it's, it's similar with... a a lot of teams that come off of a bad year, everyone goes, oh, but they've done this before and they can do this. But a lot has to actually happen for three separate players in the same midfield to all increase their average from like five to 15 points. So that's, I've sort of, I'm a bit cagey on all the GWS guys. I do have Kelly in my team at the moment, but um, yeah, it's it's hard for me to think all of them are going to have that impact that people seem to think they will. Yeah, good call, I reckon. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to move us back to the forwards. And I should just mention that probably two of the most relevant mid-price forwards I didn't talk about. wasn't because I was lazy. definitely wasn't for the reason. But I think that McLean and Miller have been covered probably to every possible length of fantasy that they can be. And even though I feel like I've got a good leg up on McLean, being a Bulldog supporter and probably having watched him more in detail when he was actually playing than uh, a lot of the other people in the fantasy community. I think I've already talked about him as well on uh, the Bulldogs episode. So, yeah, that's just why I'm talking about these guys. And the guy I'm going to talk about is as much of a reach as I've made on the podcast so far. But Brad Hill, I think, is kind of relevant with roster boss as the coach so he's only priced at 74 and in his last three seasons under ross he averaged 81 89 and 94 so i mean if he went 94 price at 75 he's or he's just about worth it and he has defender forward status so just having that flexibility is very big especially for someone that you are going to probably trade out of your team uh being able to trade them out in either line really useful and I think if we even though we do primarily focus on classic at the BEP one thing that I think is really relevant with him is uh, in draft leagues I think he's going to be an absolute stud to have as someone who can play in the forward line and the back line and uh, yeah be very friendly there I think the St Kilda game style last year was pretty conducive to scoring but I think for Hill specifically that it should suit him a bit more they were like very almost like a negative gear in a way like there was lots of disposals on the deepest line of defense but not much penetrating stuff which is their biggest downfall and i think that's what hill does best so i think ross will use him effectively as he has for three seasons before and uh even like ed langdon who was the other winner under ross was scored really well when he was a career too so i think it's just a good example, I mean, like Jason Graham, for God's sake, is nearly one of Norm Smith playing on the wing in the 2010 or 9 grand final, whatever it was, with 09, I think. Uh, so, yeah, he his wingers are part of the game plan and they are people that can score points. So, yeah, 75, if he can get up to the mid-90s, I think he's definitely relevant for us. But cons, he is Brad Hill, so that's a big con right there. And also he... Uh, his last three averages of like in the 70s I don't think we can ignore them either as much as it's nice to go back to the, the Ross Lyon numbers uh, yeah he's been parked in the 70s for a while and I 
So, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to get around that too much. And the other one that, uh, yeah, I had was just, he's probably not going to be enough value. Like, mid-90s is the best case for him. Even that's, like, questionable when we have so many good options this year. But I think, no, you've owned him in a draft league before. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I have owned him. He he was, pro- I mean, he's pretty serviceable. I think the biggest thing, like, I can see him going probably 80, 87 is where I see him. But the biggest thing for him is uh, there's not really any tag targets on St. Kilda, maybe Sinclair, but if Hill does uh, sort of pop and he's getting a bunch of the footy, all it takes is one tag game and he's, he could probably drop a 20. Um, and then, like, that's almost season over, so... That's enough for me. Yeah, the the problem I have with with Hill is not only as a fantasy player, but as a football player, he can be rock bottom terrible. Uh, I've seen him multiple times at the footy, just being absolute, just rubbish and kicking it to the wrong people and dropping marks. And the numbers don't tell the story with Hill as well. Like he got what's his average of, of seventy four last year. That's that's not because he maintained a clean run of 70s. It's because he spent a while getting 130 and then 35. Um, like I'll, I'll read out a, a couple of his scores here in a row. He's gone uh, 76, 111, 127, 36, 106, 70, 29, 60, 53. Like you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I, that's probably something that I hadn't actually considered when I was doing the notes uh but yeah he's he's tag there he is as susceptible to a tag as anyone ever so uh yeah that's probably a concern i think you made a good point Doug, about there not being many other tag targets so instead of wasting everyone's time talking about someone no one's going to pick let's see if we'll pick you know, the last defender so this one uh a guy very close to my heart but i'll leave my bias out of it um that's Will Day. So uh, he he's sort of like had a bit of a rocky couple of years through injury, a lot of bad luck, and and been moved around in different roles. I think the Hawks have try, are trying to find where he fits for them long term. Like we know what he can do and how good he can be, but uh, he needs to find a role that he can develop into and star into one day when the Hawks finally turn it around. Um, he averaged 75 in his first season and after that people he was like going top 100 in keeper leagues even earlier potentially and he was he was sort of like a prodigy in a way um, but yeah then the injury struck but now he, he's back and he's had an injury free preseason for the most part he had a little niggle through the middle there nothing too serious um, and uh, there's been talk of him moving up the ground I think most of us assumed that would be on a wing um, sort of being an outside player and being a bit of a stick, um, we sort of assumed that would be on the wing. But in the Hawks intra club this week, he was, um, he, he from all reports, he was one of the highest CBAs there. So he's playing inside mid. Um, and I know we mentioned don't read into CBAs and intra clubs and things like that, but it was an A, A team, B team situation. And he was playing CBAs in the A-team with Newcomb and Warple and Ward and players like that. Um, and I think that they wouldn't put him in there in the A-team if they didn't expect that be his position come round one. Um, so yeah, if he's getting CBAs, he can push that 85. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't expect him to be like a 90-95 just because of how bad the Hawks are going to be. Um, but yeah, Gun Jr. scorer, CBA is priced at 60. I mean, it, it, it's looking like the stars might align for him this year. Yeah, yeah, the price is absolutely right there, I think. And it's, it's effectively a free hit. Like you said, I wouldn't expect him to go massive. And the Hawks midfield is a bit of a lottery, and they're going to chop and change that a lot. But, yeah, yeah price where he is, um, there's not much reason not to pick him. Not much reason. I reckon he's from the Hunter Clark school of getting random injuries. Like, it's not like he has a yeah. nagging hamstring, hip speed or something. I feel like, I don't know for sure, but I feel like all his injuries are just, like, random as in, like, maybe he just didn't drink much milk when he was a kid or something. <laughs> yeah, needs to talk to that. Jason yeah. Gilby bloke will never get injured. Yeah, he'll be like have a full career. Um, yeah, I don't know. Day like the injuries are they're probably something that I'm trying to take into consideration more this year than I ever have before. Because last year, I think I had like three weeks all year where I didn't force trade, um, and like part of that was my own fault. Like the ball was pretty obvious what was going to happen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, day. When you take the injuries out of it, I just, I just don't know if he's like a fantasy scorer. I think he's like a gun, but he's sort of like a gallivanting guy who like runs around the ground and hits contests hard and with pace and stuff. But I don't know if he's someone who's very interested in getting like easy footy. I think he's more interested in the, the real tough stuff and being a line breaker and being like a probably the most impactful horse mid. But I don't know if that helps. Yeah, I think with with Day, he um, the key thing that I look at because we don't have a huge sample size after his first season, um, but as a junior, he averaged like 110 in the sample under 18s, um, and he was playing as a mid there, and he was tackling and marking, and obviously under 18s they were probably all as skinny as he was, so it's easy for him to throw his weight around a bit more. But I think he definitely has that fantasy game. He will be capped a bit by the Hawks game style and then not doing too much chip-chip stuff. But all he needs to... Like, I think he'll easy, easily get the disposals he needs. It's more about the tackles and marks for him to sort of raise that ceiling. Yeah, and like you said, he only needs mid-80s and you can do that for a few weeks and then and then punt him when he gets... when he when his ceiling's out. You're not expecting him to be a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we'll shift on to the midfield now. And I was originally going to talk about uh, Hall and Francis, but then uh, talking with Nug, um, he convinced me to, to talk about Sheed because I didn't rate Sheed uh, and I thought he was a bit of a poser and a bit injury prone. But checking his scores, he actually goes all right. Uh, potentially, you know, they've been talking him up all preseason as to how he is one of the big men in the midfield. Uh, you know, he's priced pretty lowly. What are, what he's, what are we sitting at exactly for Sheed? Uh, I did look that up, but yeah, he doesn't need to get much. Yeah, and he's averaged in the 90s before. So you could you could easily get a, a high 80s, early 90s score. And at, at that price, um, that's a fair bit of upside, a fair bit of price, certainly to start with. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're happy to roll the dice and think he's going to be in the midfield... Um, and that his injury day is behind him. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot wrong with picking Shield. Uh, Sheed, not Shield. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's it's if you want someone at that price, I probably think there's better guys to be picking in the mid range, uh, in the midfield. But you know, if you need someone a bit cheaper, um, certainly a lot of upside uh, at that five ninety one price. You want to tell us why you rated him now? Uh, yeah, for me, he's... So, those scores in the 90s, most of those, he wasn't um, in the CBAs every week, like week in, week out. This season, with the Eagles mids, it's looking like Shuey's going to play more halfback. Yo is obviously going to spend a bit of time down there. Gaff won't be needed inside. And then you sort of look and you're like, is Sheed that number one mid there? And I think there's a chance that he will be. Um just because he's like the younger one in there. He's the one with the fresh legs and the guy that they sort of need to to be the middleman between those older guys and those younger guys coming through. Um, on top of that, he's priced at 67. So if he goes like, if he goes 90 playing half mid, half wing, like that's a win at the end of the day. But to be honest, I'm expecting 95 from him this year. Um, him, Titch, and Yo are the only three players that haven't left my side all preseason. So, yeah, I'm very hot on Sheep. Yeah, I I do. I would, like, logic for me would be pushed back maybe on the full-time mid-stuff, but the Dockers, uh, Anna Hay, I think, is the one who seems to be at every Perth training session. The Freo off of West yeah, Coast. She's a um, and, yeah, she had said that he's been, like, pure midfield, so I think you can probably tick off what you were saying there. I think, like, I just have a question mark with, like, Kelly, Kelly, uh, Yo, Jindy, probably all go through there a bit as well, but that's not enough to, like, knock shit out of it. So, yeah, if he is getting that full-time mid role, I think, I, do you reckon you can start him and Warple, or you can like, pick one of them? Depending on how much money you want to spend on your midfield, uh, that's it, there's a lot of good prices in midfield, so... It, I still wouldn't start both. I'd probably load up on the big guns uh, and then start one mid-pricer and a heap of rooks um, and then put your mid-pricers somewhere else. But it's possible. It's not a horrible strategy to have a lot of mid-pricers in the in the midfield because there are so many decent ones. I think that... Yeah, I... Um, normally, I'm against midfield mid-pricers for the most part because it's very hard for them to be top-of-the-line sort of primos. Um, and not that I'm saying Sheed and Warpool will, but I've got both of them. They're just so cheap, and I think there's way too much value to miss out on. Yeah, I would just say, like, as a cautionary tale with the midfield, last year I started Brown and Cordwell, and because of the injuries I was talking about, I couldn't jump off either of them. And they were probably the two most popular midfield mid-prices last year, and I'm like, has Warpool really got the runs on that he's that much better than Cordwell or Real. I push back pretty hard on that. And uh, Sheed, like, yeah, we just need it. Probably does, but there is still a bit of like unknown with him how he's going to be after having such a like tough run of it last year. So yeah, I think it's something to be like wary of. I'm not as big on Warpool. Uh... I don't mind him, but yeah, I certainly think Sheed's a lot more of a, a certainty as to what he can do if he gets the midfield time than Warple is. Warple, he's had that one decent season, but otherwise he's really hit and miss. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will bring us home. 
for the last player with uh, the the hottest man on t- fantasy Twitter. Well, I guess only if you follow oh. the draft documents. But Sammy Flanders, uh, I guess the pros for him is this is pretty nuts. Do you guys know what he averaged in the VFL last year? A lot. Guess a guess yeah, a number like average, not just one hundred and thirty six. One twenty four. One hundred and eighteen. Um, but that's like that's massive for the over the course. You of built the that season. up a lot bigger than it was. That's huge to go over the course of a season. Not for the VFL. VFL is not the NFL. Like good team. Yeah. So I don't, okay. Anyway, one hundred and eighteen is a lot better than like ninety five. It shows a bit. But what did Fiorini average, and he plays for the same okay. team? Doesn't get a game. Um, yeah. So the the Suns have also been like super high on him. Sort of, I feel like every club has their like one big pipe magnet preseason. Landers is certainly there for some. Um, but for me, the pros ends there, and I think he is a huge trap to pick in classic. I think draft, you definitely want to have stocks in him because obviously what he can do in the midfield is shown and known. Mm. Yeah, if that ever came off, it'd be huge. But for me, I think. He really seems set for a half-forward role. It was one of the Suns' assistants was on the radio the other week and can't remember his name, so I can't quote him directly, but he said something like Swallow, Rao, Anderson, and Tuk are like their set for midfielders. Like he's like, that's what we had last year and I don't think it'll change much this year. So that already, like, huge red flag planned. And... Uh, in match gym today or yesterday, the Suns put out like a report on it and they'd said that he was playing half forward and sort of pushing up the ground. So I think he'll be playing that like fifth mid role, but not actually playing as a mid. So I think he, yeah, it's pretty concerning. So he's priced at 57, um, but so in that half forward role, you'd need him to go like 80 to 85. And I guess the only real example we have of anyone cracking that really well has been Dillmore um, but I think Flanders is slightly a different player to him um, and yeah I just I don't know I just I think he's a big trap I think you start with him and he gets stuck on a half forward and averages like 65-70 and then you're like oh shit I can't really go anywhere with him he's too cheap to get to one of the other mid prices and come out of blocks flying and he's yeah, way too cheap to get up to a premium so yeah he's Big truck. Pick 159 in the BEP Dynasty League, and that is way overs. Like, should have gone earlier? Should have gone way later. Like, pick 700, oh, right. that guy. I would have, yeah. <laughs> I would have said unders, but... Nah. Digress. Mug, do you have any comments? On yeah, I haven't really considered email at all in uh, Classic. I think he'll be a good player for keep leagues and drafts, but uh, in the Gold Coast game style, there's not much room for good scorers as it is. And if you're not in the midfield and your name's not uh, Took or Noah Anderson, Took! I, I wouldn't be really worrying. Took, sorry. I love Super Boost. Um, yeah. Nah. Just don't bother with old mate Sam Flanders. Yeah, too expensive. Yeah, sick. Well, I think Miller put out a questions post, so let's uh, 
I did. Get in. Before we do that, though, I wanted to talk about some honourable mentions in the midfield because there are so many guys. Um, so just quickly, I'll, I'll rattle off some names. Um, some other guys to think about if you want to spend a bit more money is Newcomb. Um, you know, you've got you've got Caldwell, which might bounce back. I quite like taking a punt on Sloan. What? Uh, you've got yeah, I don't mind Sloan. A bit <laughs> of a watch uh, would be Powell and Erasmus to see what kind of role they're going to get. Um, we discussed uh, Warpool. A big, a heavy watch that's been come out recently is Constable. Um, I wouldn't jump on him just yet, but to see if he's got that halfback role, uh, you know, very well worth keeping an eye on. Uh, some guys you don't want to pick uh, from experience, and I just don't rate them. Uh, Tim Kelly, uh, Lockie Ash, and I think, yeah, that was probably about it. Some of the other names I scratched off. Um, but, yeah, lots of lots of mid, mid prices in that, um, that midfield to have a think about. Yeah, nice. I, uh, yeah, I won't comment too much on that, just for, so we don't crack an hour today. But, yeah, it was, yeah. It was interesting. Um, yeah, I think I mentioned that I mentioned that pretty much just McLean and Miller off the forwards. But did you want to do any other or just questions? Uh, just Ed Richards. I'm watching him very closely through the preseason. Doss was talking up today, though, so he's probably no good. Um, all right. So, questions. Not a not a not a whole heap of questions. Uh, Dane Bego, thoughts on bunning snags when they give you a slab of white bread instead of a bun? This must be an estate thing because I've never seen I've never seen any bunnings give you a bun. It's always bread. Yeah, it's always oh, bread. Yeah. Oh. I wonder where Bego is from. He uh he had an interesting comment in replies. Get that up there. Yeah, I've got it. So we love uh, old mate Dame for his his query, quirky sort of stats and facts. Uh, so the one he's got for us this week, the Dons were the only team without a Tom slash Thomas on their list. Bit of a co- coincidence given their finals drought. Hawks just traded out their last Tom this off season too. Bit in that. I'll just mention that the Hawks didn't make finals with Tom last year or the year before, so I'm not sure how much there is in that. But it is interesting, nonetheless. Yeah, I was looking up the name of Thomas, what uh, what it means. And it just says it's the nickname of one of the 12 apostles who I think were Jesus' mates or something. So, yeah, not, I don't know how much we get out of that, but yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. My brother's name's Tom, so I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I don't actually know many Toms that aren't interesting. Jerks? People. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry if there's a Tom that I disgraced that I do know, but yeah. Uh, but, but. All right, all right. Uh, Russ is asking about Warpedo uh, haircut. Terrible. I mean, it's all right. Yeah, it's yeah. Russ is also asking, um, who are you more comfortable with in your back lines, Caulfield or McKenna? Very similar price. Jaden Hunt. Yeah. Jaden Hunt was the next question. Oh, okay. An interesting segue. Um, Caulfield. I'm just not sold that McKenna's actually 
got a spot in the 22, so I'm going to go Caulfield. But if, if you can see McKenna I don't, actually collect a spot... Caulfield's not even going to be there in round one, I don't As far as I'm aware, I don't think he's tracking for round one. Yeah. Isn't he? No, I don't think so. Could be wrong, but oh, I don't. Okay. I'm pretty sure he like, was yeah. still running laps really recently. And also with Caulfield, like he he had uh, that one good year where he averaged seventy nine in his second year, I reckon it was. But since then, he's he's really shown bugger all as a prospect. And like, what does he do that is different to guys like Wilkie back there? Don't disrespect Wilkie. He's a fucking gun. No, he is a gun. Yeah, because like, I tried to pick Caulfield him. Caulfield can't do anything better than him mm. or different. That's that's my point. Yeah. Um. With McKenna, keep an eye out on the the DT talk. I, I may have an article dropping about him in McKenna. Ooh, look out. Anna McKenna. Someone's got on the deck of DT talk. Wadida. Yeah, I'll probably be community writers. Um, <laughs> 50, 50, yeah, 50 you have there. to hit Warney up and ask and force him to make you an account. That's what I did last year. No, I, I'll no, I will change my name to community writers. Community um, writers. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, last question, finally. Time for bed. Ed Galuccio, is Jaden Hunt an option? Seems to be best 22. With that role of halfback slash wing, he can hit high 60s slash low 70s. What name? Uh, Ed Galuccio. That is brilliant. Cool. Cool, man. Welcome to the pod, Galuccio. Way better than Tom. What a name. Much better than Tom. Uh, but no, I don't think... You would go Jaden Hunt. There's better options out there. He's just so cheap. Like, so cheap. And we all know how West Coast plays. Like, I, mm. Yeah, you only really need him to go like 70, you know, 65 to be like really good. He's yeah. Really cheap. And the rookies in the back line are yeah, I think this year. So, yeah, they're not are. that bad. Weddle will be there around one. Yeah, but Gimby Weddle was going to be like Gibkiss was last year. No, he's not. Like, people say he's a key defender. He doesn't really play like that at all. He's more of a dashing defender. Uh, yeah, what have I? I'm looking at Chumps He'll be like... playing as, like, a third, fourth tall. He won't be playing key. Who else, though, other than Inby and they got Pedler and, and Cheetor on nine. Uh, I think Cowan might be close with nah. um, with Walsh out. Chess is not going to be there. Yeah. Wilmot, maybe. Oh, that's a fourth Is that Mikkel? Yeah. Wilmot, I like Wilmot. Wilmot won't score for shit if he plays, I don't think. He's a D8. Uh, Will Gould, if he yeah. if he exists, could be all right. <laughs> if he exists. He won, I think he won, like, the reserves medal last year. So he could, he could pop up. Oh, good on him. Yeah. It's taken him six years to be a good reserves player. That's true. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it's sketchy. Well, I'm looking at... No, I was looking at the forward line before, but now I'm in defence. I'm looking at Jason Gilby, but, yeah, he's, he's no certain in the game. The milkman. All right. Um, yeah, on Hunt, I think when he had those really good years with Melbourne, from memory, he only averaged like 67 or something like that. I think he's more impact than he is uh, an accumulator. But uh, he could surprise me. I'm not like writing it off, but I think he's one I'd look to trade in rather than start if he does play. 67 is all you need. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have a rookie at that price. Well, of course, that's if there are any. But True. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have a rookie that goes from like 20, 25 to 
55, 60, that makes, that's like 30 points. Yeah. yeah. Well, that Calden, that Calden, uh, whatever you call it, uh, SSP or something, Chin Shotter, I think his name was. I don't know how to say yeah. it. He should be... Chinchotta. He should be He's basement like the, price. So he could be... Well, he must be... He's a defender. Italian, like the... Chinchotta. Oh, I don't know. I'm not Italian. I'm going to try and pronounce it. Chinota. 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 Wow. Well, we are... Did Jaden Hunt stop wearing the headband, by the way? His, his headshot looks different. I don't know. But now we're asking the real question, so we will yeah. we'll call it here, I reckon. But I do want to just yeah, good quickly idea. mention that we'll hopefully be having some short-form content. I should do these plugs at the start, because there's not many people left by now. Because no one's going to get to the But end. yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, follow us on all forms of social media. If you haven't, we're going to be trying to spread our content out across the platform. So if you don't want to miss anything, and you definitely don't want to miss anything, quality from the BEP so yeah get around yeah that's alright we're on we're on Tuk Tuk now or whatever it's called yeah that's about right <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how it went I think it got it got a few views the one today it got up near 100 so too bad nice but yeah don't don't know how much it will help the overall pod but we'll see oh, we'll see we'll see might get some youngins in yeah get them before they know any other people in the fantasy that's it. All right. Uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up there. So let's call it. See ya. Thanks, everyone. See you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, would like to hear more from the Break Even podcast. You can get stuffed. Bip out. <laughs>